become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. and salutations everyone i am the trs 80 genius artificial intelligence i am here to introduce to you the one and only entertainment landfill news with your host the jstrom i am so pumped up for some news about film video games and pop culture crap boom goes the dynamite presents Landfill News with your host, The Jaystrom. Now, here's your host, The Jaystrom. Boom! That's me, everyone. Hello. It's time for Entertainment Landfill News. I'm your host, of course, The Jaystrom, and welcome to the landfill. Huh? Huh? Hello, everyone. I'm here to talk about film, television, video games, pop culture, all sorts of kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's summertime, man. It's hot. Way too hot. It's time to stay indoors because I sweat profusely out in this heat. For Pete's sakes, I went to the store at 9.30 a.m. this morning and I was sweating putting groceries in the car. It's not right, people. I'm living on friggin' Tatooine over here. I don't like it. I need friggin' moisture evaporators or something. You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, guys, it's so great to be here. Uh, it's been a great weekend. Uh, it was Father's Day weekend, which is great because I'm a dad. I have a daughter. And uh, we saw Finding Dory. That was awesome. A Pixar flick with fish swimming around and stuff. Man, it was funny. It had some tear-jerking moments, you know, where I was like, Shut up, man. I got some in my eye, man. I'm a cool dude, man. I don't do this. <laughs> and, you know, it was funny. And, you know, I had some uh, concessions. had some popcorn and soda pop, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Diet Coke. And, you know, I got some awesome gifts from uh, my wife and my daughter. Uh, I got a new electric razor. Oh, it's so cool, man. I can shave my, uh, you know, my um, sideburns, you know, trim them short. You know, I can uh, clean shave or I can do a cool kind of stubble look like Don Johnson or something from uh, Miami Vice. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I could do something like that. And I, what's funny is for a while now, I'm not kidding when I say this, probably a lot of most uh, people out there, they should clean shave, 
you know, you go to work, you got a clean shave, or you want to look nice for church or whatever. Uh, you're going to a wedding or something. But uh, I don't know what this voice is I keep doing. But um, I've been just leaving some stubble. You know, I shave, but not clean shave. I leave some growth there because... I don't like my baby face. You know, I look and it's like, oh, it's a nice little baby face there, Jason. Huh? Uh, when are you going to grow up? So <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. So anyway, I clean shaved for the first time in a long time. And I did that thing. Anybody who's ever had a beard or facial hair for a long time, I looked at my clean shave face and I was like, ah, who are you? I didn't recognize myself and I don't like it. So I'm growing my whiskers back as fast as possible. Like, come on. And I just went beard like that. So uh, that was cool. My daughter, she got me a new video game for the PS4. Um, it is called Ratchet and Clank. The new Ratchet and Clank for the PS4. To go along with a movie, which I don't think did very well. But still, it's gorgeous. The game is gorgeous, and it's a lot of fun. And I needed a game like that, which was silly. It's a platformer, too. You're jumping around and stuff. 3D platformer, for anyone who hasn't played that. You also have guns and stuff. It's pretty cool. The guns do neat, different things. But I needed that after playing uh, The Last of Us and the uh, the DLC to that. Wow, it's heavy stuff. So I needed something to lighten the mood. So that was really cool. Uh, a week before that, you know, last week I didn't do uh, any ETL news because it was our big E3 show where we talked about the Electronic Entertainment Expo with Bill and Emma. That was fun. We talked all sorts of video games and stuff that were coming out. They were announced. I hope you guys check that out if you're into video games and stuff because it was a lot of fun to do. E3 is a great time of year. It's just fun. It's like Christmas, finding out all these games. And uh, so I didn't get to talk about Warcraft, which I saw with Steven the previous weekend, uh, which, um, you know, we've heard a lot of panning of it. Bad movie, horrible, what's going on? It's campy, whatever. Um, directed by Duncan Jones. I liked a lot of it. And there was some of it that is very goofy. It, it, the stuff with the orcs is awesome, though. The effects with the orcs and their way of life and the way they talk to each other and smash things and all they know about is war. Stuff was gorgeous. Fantastic. Uh, the visuals were great to mediocre. What I mean by that is big, lush cityscapes and flying over on birds, you know, giant winged beasts you fly on to travel. Uh, gorgeous. Scenes with humans in rooms on a soundstage were a little goofy. Uh, it was just kind of like Dominic Cooper is in the movie. He plays the king. And um, I love Dominic Cooper. He's a great actor. He's fantastic in like uh, Peggy Carter. He's great in Preacher now. Uh, he looks like a guy in a costume on a stage in the movie. There's just something lost in the translation there where it just looks goofy. So I can see if you're going into the movie wanting to hate it and bash it and camp for its campiness or, oh, stupid sword and sorcery crap. That's what you're going to make fun of there. But uh, I like. 
liked for what they were trying to attempt. You know, I know it was a real expensive movie and they spent a lot of money on it. But I guarantee if I were to take like my in-laws to go see that film and they sat down and watched it, they'd have a great time. They don't know all about people hating on it or the budget or video games or anything like that. It's a good time, man. It was entertaining. Uh, Ben Foster plays this wizard in it. I'm going to say he was miscast. He's so strange in the movie doing his own thing. And it's funny because Steven and I were kind of talking about that. Like I was like, uh, I don't know if he was right for this movie. And Steven's like, well, he has a reason for acting like that. His character is going through something here. And I'm like listening to Steven. I'm like, well, maybe Steven's right. He chose to act like this because that's what his character is going through. But I just think it was he was so strange and off-putting, but maybe he was supposed to be. I don't know. But uh, I, I enjoyed Warcraft for what it is. I'm not going to say it's some great movie, but it's got some great battles and action in there. I love that they have these giant flintlock pistols. They're sword fighting, and they got battle axes. Then you can whip out a friggin' um, you know, uh, flintlock and go boom and blast some orc's hand off or something. That's pretty cool. What do you think about that, baby? <laughs> Poor thing. Now, guys, uh, when I was watching the E3 footage, uh, Microsoft announced the new Xbox One S, the Slim. And I was reading about the Slim, and I I realized that one of the things Phil Spencer said is, nobody needs to worry about Project Scorpio or... Uh, 4K, if you don't have a 4K TV, you just don't need to worry about this. Just stick with the console you got because it won't improve anything. You know, you've got high definition or 1080p and that's fine. But this uh, 4K compatible kind of up the game for a 4K TV and that'll make it look sweet. And I was reading this article, it says... Um, during its press conference at last week's E3, Microsoft announced the Xbox One S, a 4K-compatible version of its Xbox One console with an additional selling point, the, the inclusion of high dynamic range, HDR color support. So I'm like, huh, HDR, let me read more about this. While there continues to, de- while, <laughs> while there continues to be a debate as to the ability of most people to notice a difference between the now common 1080p standard and 4K resolution, more precisely referred to as 2160p, nobody says that, it doesn't roll off, 1080p, that's so easy to say, 2160p, at typical television sizes and viewing distance, the apparent merits of HDR color are less debated. Netflix has been very vocal about the advantage of HDR in talking about its own plans for the HDR standard, calling it the next big thing. Back in February, HDR-capable sets can display color that non-HDR televisions cannot. Okay, are you guys listening to this? HDR can display colors that HDR tel- non-HDR TVs cannot. And HDR improves image fidelity by reducing macro blocking and gradient artifacts thanks to less compressed color data. Okay? However, there are two formats of the standards of HDR. There's Dolby Vision and HDR10. 
So, okay, it's already starting to get confusing, isn't it? So, basically, if you buy a new TV, 4K TV, say you go out like, um, you know, you win the lottery, you get a bonus, something like that, do a scratch off. Dude, 5000 bucks. I'm buying a 4K TV. I've read all about these. They're, it's 2160p. I'm going to go check this out. So, you go buy one blindly. Then you find out, hey, you need to get one with HDR. And you're like, oh, shit. The 4K TV I just bought is now obsolete because I should have got one with HDR. So then you go to the store and you're like, okay, I want to buy this TV right here, this uh, Vizio. And they're like, all right, it's got the Dolby Vision in it. And you're like, ooh, Dolby? That sounds awesome because, you know, Dolby Sound, Dolby Surround, Dolby 5.1, Dolby, they know what the hell they're doing, okay? So let's say you just pick that up, you're setting it up, and then you read this article. There are two formats of HDR, Dolby Vision and HDR10. After some confusion last week, Polygon, which this article is on, has been able to confirm with Microsoft that the H uh, the Hbox that the Xbox One S will support HDR10 when it launches. The company was silent on support for Dolby's standard, which is Dolby Vision. So you're like, "Wait a second. Um I was going to buy the Xbox One S to play 4K Blu-rays on my new 4K TV. Can I use HDR on this? No. And here's why. The Xbox is HDR10. Your TV you just bought, it's Dolby Vision. Not compatible. You're totally screwed, man. So now... It's confusing, isn't it? And this is what sucks about format wars. Because right now, a brewing format war between two rival HDR standards means some recent 4K set buyers may be left out, even if their set technically supports the feature. HDR10 and Dolby Vision are not currently cross-compatible, and many sets only support one or the other. Sony and Samsung are pushing the HDR10 format agreed on by the UHD or Ultra HD, an industry term for 4K video. Okay, see, some people like Sony and Samsung aren't even saying 4K. They're calling it Ultra HD for us simpletons who don't understand what 4K is. Um, so they have a UHD alliance. So anything you see with UHD alliance, ultra HD, that's Sony and Samsung's alliance. And they're, they have an open standard established by members to support HDR10. Now, Vizio and LG and a number of smaller manufacturers are signed on with Dolby. Which is really strange. You would think that... Someone major like Sony or Samsung would go along with Dolby, this major name brand. But no. Dolby, a standard that offers better HDR performance but requires licensed Dolby hardware in both the media player and 4K television used to display the content. What that means is you're going to need a 4K Dolby Vision Blu-ray player for your 4K TV with Dolby Vision. 
Vizio is promising an update to its M and P series 4K televisions later this year to support HDR10 as well as Dolby Vision. Oh crap! I didn't notice that. So if Vizio does that, where hey, hey guys, calm down. We're gonna have HDR10 and Dolby Vision. That is awesome because that actually. That's what all these TVs need to do. They need to work with one or the other, not have one or the other. So the, that Vizio said they're promising that, that's, that's actually nice to read. Microsoft's lack of common Adobe Vision likely means the Xbox One S will not support the standard. The additional cost of Adobe license on the hardware required would cut into Microsoft's margins. Oh, man, Dolby gets a licensing fee for you to put that in there. No wonder they don't want to use it. Microsoft plans to support the Xbox One S console's HDR capabilities with Gears of War 4 and Forza Horizon 3 this fall, both of which will ship with support for HDR. You can read more about 4K and what it means for gamers, including a brief explanation of HDR color here with this link that you guys can't see. <laughs> so I shouldn't even read that last sentence. But anyway... It's very confusing, isn't it? Very interesting. So if you're, basically, if you're in the market for a 4K TV right now, keep in mind the whole HDR10 and Dolby Vision thing. Here's, here's where I'm leaning automatically. Most likely the first 4K capable player I will own will be through either an Xbox or a PlayStation. We've already read that Sony is supporting HDR10, so most likely the PS4 Neo or whatever is going to support HDR10, and we've just read that Microsoft, with the Xbox One S, supports HDR10. So I'm thinking that's our cheap way in to watch those movies, because we're owning a video game console that plays 4K movies, so I'm going to have to support HDR10, right? So naturally, if you're in the market for something like that, make sure your TV plays that format that you need, which is HDR10. The Dolby Vision sounds cool. I like the name Dolby. You know, we all know that brand. But if I have to get a separate player to watch movies on, I mean, I like being able to play them on my video game console too. It's just something we've learned to do with the PS3 playing Blu-rays. Um I don't need a separate player, so it just sounds like a big pain in the butt. So anyway, that's my HDR format war talk. <laughs> Hopefully that wasn't too confusing. All right, a Tom Cruise trailer has just been put up on the internets. That's right, Jack Reacher, never go back. Paramount has unveiled the first trailer for the sequel, Jack Reacher, never go back, directed by Ed Zwick. Bringing back Tom Cruise in the role of Jack Reacher, a character invented by author Lee Child. He's joined by actress Kobe Smulders, along with a cast including Robert Nepper, Aldous Hodge, and Holt McCallany. I like the cold opening of this, with Reacher in the small diner talking back to some cops. From there, it gets much more interesting. Uh, this isn't me. This is me reading Alex Billington's post on uh, firstshowing.net. So anyway, he's really into the trailer. And uh, guys, you should check it out. It looks pretty cool. Um, I had no idea Ed Zwick was directing this. We all know Ed Zwick, Last Samurai. He directed Blood Diamond, Legends of the Fall. I don't know. 
So anyway, check that out. Now, here's some interesting news. Uh, Steven Spielberg vows he will never, ever direct a Star Wars film. I even remember a long time ago before they even announced that J.J. Abrams would direct The Force Awakens or what we thought was the next Star Wars. We didn't know what it would be called yet. Um, We thought Spielberg could possibly direct one of these. He's always wanted to. But now he's saying, no, he's not. Despite being a big Star Wars fan, Steven Spielberg will never direct a Star Wars film. It's just not his genre, the director said at a press event for his upcoming Disney film, The BFG. It's certainly my buddies, the Thomas Edison of science fiction, George Lucas, who created the entire series, Spielberg said, as reported by the Toronto Sun. But that was never for me. I'm just a fan. I'm just with everybody else in the audience watching them. Spielberg has had an influence on Star Wars films, however. The legendary director suggested J.J. Abrams direct The Force Awakens and reportedly discovered Alden Ehrenreich, who will play young Han Solo in the upcoming Star Wars solo film at a bat mitzvah. The BFG Spielberg's next film is filled with magical elements and an adaptation of Roald Dahl's book of the same name. It hits theaters July 1st. Yeah, okay. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But uh, that's interesting. I, I'm with him. Once you decide to, uh, you know, what I'm saying is I'm with him as I understand. I'm not going to say if I was offered a Star Wars film to direct it, I'd turn it down because I wouldn't. I would say I've never directed a film. Are you sure? <laughs> I have I have no uh, uh, experience doing this, but okay, I'll do it. Um But I can understand what he means. He wants to just be in the audience and see the Star Wars film and experience it. He doesn't want to know all about it and the development and kind of be ruined by it. I got it. I understand what you're doing, Steven. Huh? Uh, Mark Millar is reviving Kick-Ass with a new female lead. Yeah, some little bit of comic book news. Uh, Mark Millar's Kick-Ass isn't just making a return. It's doing it without its main character, Dave. In the kick-ass role. This time, the mantle is being passed on to someone entirely different. Revealed by The Hollywood Reporter, the new kick-ass monthly series will feature an entirely new supporting cast and won't be set in New York. But the biggest change about the series will be the fact that the person behind kick-ass's green and yellow mask will be an African-American woman. Although no further details about her have been released. Why the change, Millar? Well... Uh, who will write the first arc of the series alongside John Romita Jr. on art before handing over the reins to writer Daniel Way. He wants to make Kick-Ass a legacy comic where the story comes before the identity of whoever is in the costume. Kick-Ass is like James Bond or Doctor Who, where a new face, a new situation, and it suddenly feels exciting. With a new face, a new situation, and it suddenly feels exciting. Every four volumes or so, I want a different person in the mask. Sometimes it might not even last only a single volume or even a single issue. Okay. Do you guys read that? Do you guys read comics, huh? You guys read comics? Uh, I don't currently, but uh, I love comic books. I just haven't been in it in a while. No, come on. We need a better bomb sound than that, for Pete's sakes. What's going on around here? We finally got some solid details on Rogue One. Sure, we've seen the whole trailer for the first Star Wars spinoff already, but there are far more rumors floating around the film and its reshoots than there is actual information at the moment. But that's about to change. Entertainment Weekly has revealed Rogue One 
as its latest cover story, promising all sorts of tidbits about the film. Check out the cover below, as well as a rundown of information that's just been confirmed. Ah, too bad you guys can't see this cover. Wow! First of all, yes. Finally, some official confirmation after months of rumors. Darth Vader is indeed in the film. Spoiler alert, guys. I think we've known that and assumed that for a while. As had been rumored, his role is apparently quite large. Ben Mendelsohn's villainous Imperial is described as both eager to earn the favor of the Empire... Emperor... (laughs) Sorry. Eager to earn the favor of the Emperor and avoid the wrath of his black-masked enforcer. So it seems like Vader will be loudly breathing down Mendelssohn's neck for much of the film. This one already linked thanks to Mads Mikkelsen himself, but he's indeed playing Jin Erso's father. Uh, I didn't know that. Spoiler alert. But now we know a little more about the character. He's a scientist who whose work is wanted by the Empire and the Alliance. The cover of the magazine also reveals a new TIE fighter, the TIE Striker, that was recently leaked. Who's leaking this stuff? And our best look yet at the droid played by Alan Tudyk through motion capture. Reportedly an Imperial droid co-opted by the Alliance. The magazine also promises candid details about the film's upcoming reshoots, which have been the source of heated debate over the last month. Specifically, they will include what story elements these reshoots will be adding to the film. We'll keep you posted. Yeah, let's just spoil the whole goddamn movie. (laughs) We don't need to see it. Yeah. Reshoot panic. Oh, my God. Now, here's more. Disney CEO, CEO, suggests Indiana Jones will be rebooted after part five. If anyone knows what's going on with the universe of Disney, Marvel, Pixar, and Lucasfilm, it's CEO of all Disney, Bob Iger. In a new interview, Iger said he expects to make more Indiana Jones movies after part five, but... That may or may not include Harrison Ford. Right now, we're focused on a reboot or a continuum and then a reboot of some sort, Iger told Hollywood Reporter in an extended interview. He seemed a bit confused about what the words mean. Well, we'll bring Harrison Ford back. Then we'll have to figure out what comes next. That's what I mean. It's not really a reboot. It's a boot. A reboot. I don't know. (laughs) That's his quote. I think he is confused. Iger then said, while he doesn't expect Indiana Jones to be as large of a franchise as Star... What? As Star Wars? Well, maybe not, but it's going to be huge. They will make more than just one film. I don't think it reaches the scale of the universe of Star Wars, but I see making more. It just won't be a one-off. I think someone needs to cut this guy's mic. He just needs to stop talking. Cutting through all of that, basically Iger said this. They're making Indiana Jones 5 with Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg. That's the continuum. From there, they'll try a reboot or at least more Indiana Jones films. Read more of this incoherent extended interview with Iger at the link below. Okay, click. No, thank you. So that sounds interesting. Now, this is cool. Uh, we're talking about Star Wars here. Uh, and what... La- E3 talk on the show, we talked about a new God of War game that was revealed at the Sony press conference, and it looks amazing. Um, The director of that game talked about how he was influenced 
by a can- the canceled Star Wars TV show that was rumored for years. Do you guys remember hearing about the Star Wars TV show? They already had scripts written and stuff. Well, this is an interesting article. Let's check this out. Sony unveiled a new God of War game simply called God of War during E3 last week. Yeah, I already said this. The developer at Sony Santa Monica Studios promised it would showcase a different Kratos than fans were used to. The game's creative director, Corey Barlog, said that the idea for Kratos' new direction all started with the scripts for the canceled Star Wars TV show. Tell me more, Mr. Barlog. Barlog told VentureBeat that the team wanted to focus on giving Kratos a second chance to change his ways, and one of the best ways to do that was to explore his roles as a father. His role as a father. Barlog said that while there was initially a lot of pushback on the idea of exploring Kratos in a more subdued role than what players were used to, after the core writing team began looking at other mediums, specifically television, they realized they could do something special with the concept. Barlog said that when he was working at Lucasfilm, he was given access to the ranch and was allowed to spend his time reading the scripts for the canceled Star Wars TV show. What? How do I get access like this? One of the biggest lessons he took away from reading those scripts as a writer was that if you spend enough time with a character like someone does normally with a game or a television show, they can go from being someone fans hate to a figure they love. I cared about the Emperor, Barlog told VentureBeat. They made the Emperor a sympathetic figure who was wronged by this heartless woman. Oh, here we go. She's this hardcore gangster. And she just totally destroyed him as a person. I almost cried while reading this. This is the Emperor. The lightning out of the fingers Emperor. (laughs) Barlock said he applied that style of writing to the newest God of War in order to create a version of Kratos that will endear both old and new fans to the character. Barlock said that the game is first and foremost about fatherhood, and that was the main theme they wanted to explore. Gameplay from the upcoming title can be seen in the video below. Oh, wow, this footage looks amazing. Too bad you guys can't see it. Just kidding. Um, So that's really cool. I'm really excited about this game, and I can't believe he got to read the Star Wars TV show screenplays that will never be made. Man, I would talk to him for hours about this, just, you know, because I'm curious about what's going on. All right, guys, some movie news. Brian Cranston will join the Power Rangers movie. All right. You guys are pumped for this. Brian Cranston, the man who sparked fear into the hearts of millions as Walter White in Breaking Bad, is about to play a floating head in the new Power Rangers movie. Cranston confirmed his role as Zordon on Twitter earlier today. In the Power Rangers universe, Zordon acts as a mentor to the group of teen heroes and first appeared in the first season of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Prior to his role as their mentor, Zordon faced off against his nemesis, Rita Repulsa, who will be played by Elizabeth Banks in the film. What what world are we living in? What is going on? Um, On Earth, thousands of years before the Rangers came into existence. Power Rangers will star... Some guy, another guy, someone I've never heard of, and Becky G as Trini, and Ludie Lynn as Zack. The film follows the five teenagers as they learn they have become something extraordinary in order to save the world from an impending alien attack. 
The film is being directed by Dean Israelite, the guy who directed Project Almanac, and is slated to be released March 24th, 2017. I also believe, and I can't believe they didn't mention this in the uh, article, but uh, Brian Cranston was actually in an episode of Power Rangers because he worked on the show in the background. I believe he played a guy in a suit once, but uh, don't quote me on that. All right, guys, super excited to hear this news. Supergirl elects Wonder Woman, a.k.a. Linda Carter, as the president of the United States in season two. The now CW drama has tapped Wonder Woman Linda Carter to recur in season two as the president. Last March, Supergirl Greg Berlanti revealed that he tried and failed to lasso Carter for a season one guest stint, telling reporters that he had a perfect role in mind for the TV icon but couldn't work out her schedule. He called it the biggest disappointment for me the entire season. Berlanti later confirmed that the role was the female president of the United States. By the way, Carter played Wonder Woman from 1975 to 79. She'll make her Supergirl debut in Season 2's third episode. Awesome! By the way, she still looks great. I think that was probably, as a little kid, that was probably my first crutch. Wonder Woman, I love you! Alright guys, Sci-Fi's Krypton series is coming out. Can you believe they ordered this? Much like, um... Gotham. Now there's a series called Krypton. Sure, Superman's native home planet is going to explode at the end, but if the casting breakdowns for sci-fi's recently greenlit Krypton pilot are any indication, there was some serious drama playing out decades prior. Krypton's lead characters include Segel, envisioned here as athletic, quietly confident in his 20s. Comic fans are familiar with an older seg from his appearance in Starman number 51. Whoa, they're getting really esoteric here. Lita Zod, the 20-something beauty, will likely have some familial tie to General Zod. Yeah, duh. Valel, seg's genius grandpa, defied death by going into the Phantom Zone and is a staunch believer in space exploration. Other characters include Allura Zod. Lita's mom happens to bear the same name as Kara zor mother on Supergirl. Dev M and Terrell. When, dude, uh, I know actors on the show is like, God, where, how, um, where, what are we doing, guys, with these names? So anyway, they're some key characters from the new Krypton show. How bad is this going to be? Seriously? Okay, here's another story I thought was amusing. Will Smith says he didn't believe in the wild, wild west. That's right. Will Smith has established himself as one of the biggest names in Hollywood, garnering critical acclaim with dramas like Ali and The Pursuit of Happiness, spelled wrong with a Y, and breaking the box office with hit action films like Men in Black and Independence Day. But there is one starring role in Smith's long list of films that he isn't proud of. Wild Wild West. The actor revealed that he took the film role during a time when he was more interested in increasing his star power than making projects he was actually passionate about. I had so much success that I started to taste global blood and my focus shifted from my artistry 
to winning, Smith said at a Ken Lion panel, whatever that is. I wanted to win and be the biggest movie star, and what happened there was a lag. Around Wild Wild West time, I found myself promoting something because I wanted to win versus promoting something I believed in. Oh man, Will, say it isn't so. The 1999 steampunk western was a financial success, raking in about $222 million. But it was met with widespread critical derision, earning eight Razzie nominations and winning five of them. Smith went on to admit that he felt like he was tricking fans into seeing the movie during the promotion process. I consider myself a marketer. My career has been strictly being able to sell my products globally, and it's now in the hands of fans. Smith said, I have to be in tune with their needs and not trick them into going to see Wild Wild West. After Wild Wild West, Smith was more careful in selecting projects that he believed in, such as the 2001 biopic, Ali. The actor credits the late Muhammad Ali as his inspiration in opting for passion projects over fame grabs. He was unwilling to compromise for money, accolades. He was living his value, rich or poor. Yeah, I'm, something tells me Will didn't go poor or anything, and he still made a lot of money. It just sucked. So that's interesting, isn't it? Well, you know what, Will? Man, I respect you, buddy. <laughs> ah, stupid. Well, at least he's apologizing years later for it. No, I don't think anyone should have to uh, apologize for a bad film they've made. They tried. It was a flop. Move on. Don't apologize. It's no big deal. Um, this is really cool. Original Resident Evil 2 director says he pestered Capcom for a remake I'm talking about the video games, guys, not the horrible movies. Hideki Kamiya isn't directly involved, but the director of Resident Evil for PlayStation, Kamiya, may not be working on the recently announced remake of the 98 survival horror classic, but he definitely has an ear of the game's director. No, I'm not directly involved. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't do this voice. Kamiya told Polygon in an interview at E3, but the director of the remake is actually somebody who joined Capcom the same year I did. We worked closely together on Resident Evil design team. We were both designers. When Resident Evil 2 started, I went to direct the, that game. Yes, that's right. I changed my voice back. <laughs> he went and worked on Mega Man Legends. We go out drinking now and again, and we get really drunk. I added that part. And one time he was like, by the way, I'm directing the remake of RE2. And I was like, what? You're doing what? After I heard that, I felt like we need to go drinking some more. Capcom hasn't announced who's directing the Resident Evil 2 remake, but based on Kamiya's comments, it's possible that Kazunori Kadoi, a designer on Resident Evil and Mega Man Legends, is leading that effort. Yoshiaki H. Hiribashi has been announced as RE2's remake's producer. Capcom declined to com to com <laughs> Okay, settle down, Jason. Capcom declined to confirm if Kadoi's directing the remake. Kamiya, who left Capcom in 2006 and co-founded Platinum Games later that year, sounded elated that Resident Evil 2 was being remade for modern platforms. 
just from a creator's perspective to know that something that you made still resonates and people still want to play it and that Capcom is going to invest all that time and energy into remaking it is really an honor. That's saying it independent of the fact that one of my friends is making it, looking at what Capcom is doing right now and what they're making, I have a lot of confidence that they're going to knock it out of the park. Some of that positivity may be chalked up to the fact that the Kamiya himself has been prodding longtime Resident Evil developer Jun Takuyuchi to remake the game. Takuyuchi was a character modeler on the first Resident Evil and served as a producer in Resident Evil 5. Behind the scenes, I go drinking with Jun Takayuchi quite often. Man, these guys are drinking a lot, aren't they? Every time I go drinking with him, I would pester him. You're going to remake that, right? <laughs> You're going to remake that. You're going to remake that, right? And he'd say, no, we're busy with other games. As a fan of that game, not just someone who made it, I'm really happy that they listened to me. To us. Kamiya is currently leading development on Scalebound for Xbox One. Oh, I remember this guy. Awesome. He recently told Polygon that he'd like to revisit Bayonetta for a third game if Platinum found the right opportunity. Now, I I absolutely love Resident Evil 2. It's awesome. I love Resident Evil 1, but Resident Evil 2, it just... i gotten my PS1 finally... For Christmas, the game came out. I Oh, man, I remember playing through that multiple times. You'd play both Jill and Chris Redfield. I just I would finish that game and start over. That's how much I loved it. And the whole reason I even owned a friggin' uh, Sega Dreamcast was to play Codename Veronica. I cannot wait to play this remake for Resident Evil 2. I know there's a Resident Evil 1 remake out there or uh, remastered. And I kind of want to play it, but I kind of lose interest. But I definitely want to play the Resident Evil 2 remake. That friggin' rocks. Now, guys, um, I'm out of news stories, but let's talk about everything that's coming to Netflix in June. This is a new thing I'm going to do when I run out of things to say. (laughs) Okay. Seven Chinese Brothers. What happens when a hard-partying slacker falls in love with his new boss? This movie considers the possibilities and the lengths to which people will go when they're totally smitten. Arriving June 1st, Jason Schwartzman stars in Seven Chinese Brothers. Okay. Sounds interesting. Um, the Underdogs. Some... Oh, yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for this in theaters. Underdogs, a team is inspired to reach new heights when a new coach whips them into shape. That's a horrible description of this computer-animated film uh, with a voice by Ariana Grande and Nicholas Holt. Uh, But it's about this guy playing soccer against bullies and these tiny, mini soccer players help him out. I have no idea why. I seriously don't know what's going on there. Let me find something interesting. Uh, Arriving June 1st, Jay Edgar starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. You guys know what that is. Um, Let's see what else we got. Magic's Biggest Secrets Finally Revealed. Yes. Breaking the Magic Code. Magic's Biggest Secrets Finally Revealed. Don't watch this one if you want to keep magic alive. It will kill the magic. <laughs> this guy tells you how t- tricks are done. The guy's a jerk. I don't like that guy. You know what I'm saying? I don't like this person. He's a jerk. 
Um, a walk to remember. If you love The Fault in Our Stars, then say hello to its predecessor, the most depressing teen romance movie of the early aughts, starring Shane West and Mandy Moore. This movie, I'm not kidding, was on one day on cable. I'm just chilling back, laying on the couch, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I'll leave it on here. I watched it. I was sobbing by the time this movie was over. Damn you. Damn you, guy who writes these books. What's the guy's name? I forget his name. I can't read the print. It's so tiny. It's based on a book by some guy. From the best-selling novel, A Walk to Remember. Featuring songs performed by Mandy Moore. Of course, she's in the movie. She's got to sing some songs, right? Am I right or what? Hold on a second. There's a better way to do what I'm doing right here. By the way, I got a new mouse for my computer. And it's super loud. I need to get a quiet mouse. A mouse that does not speak. Shut up, mouse. Marco Polo Season 2 comes in June. I mean, uh, July 1st. How cool is that, guys? I really liked Marco's Polo Season 1. By the way, I never finished it yet. That happens to me. But check this out. Back to the Future, Back to the Future Part 2, and Part 3 all appear on Netflix. Woohoo! The 1966 Batman the Movie. Bad Boys 2. Awesome. Beavis and Butthead do America. Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. Big Trouble in Little China. Blade 2. Catwoman. Oh, wait, wait. Forget that one. (laughs) I'm excited about this new series uh, called Between. No, wait. That's not. That's a different series, Jason. Uh, see what happens guys when you run out of news stories but uh i'm trying to find this uh what was that show called oh here it is i'm really excited about this series it's called stranger things it's a new netflix original series with starring winona Ryder, and it premieres july 15th watch the trailer on netflix it looks really cool and interesting and sci-fi-ish and it takes place in the 80s. It looks very Spielbergish, E.T. era kind of thing. Looks really cool. Uh, Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Are you not entertained? Um, the Italian Job, the remake, of course, with Charlize Theron and uh, Mark Wahlberg. That's okay. Oh, check this out. Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon 2, 3... And four, the Lethal Weapon Quadrilogy, you guys, is on Netflix at the beginning of June, July. Why do I keep saying June? It's June right now, Jason. Stop it! Ah. Dreamcatcher. Roll Bounce. Oh, wait. I'm just kidding about Roll Bounce. Um, Shannara Chronicles Season 1. It's, uh... It was... Produced for MTV, it's like elves and sword and sorcery with the teenage crowd. It's got very good-looking people in it. I watched the whole season. I actually enjoyed it. 
the season finale where everything built up kind of ended abruptly. And I was like, God, that's kind of anticlimactic, but it's going to be back for a season two. If you guys want to check out the Shannara Chronicles, I actually liked it. Um, mean girls. That's a funny movie. I've only seen it once, but I remember it being funny. Raiders of the lost art season two. Huh? The sting. That's a great film. Robert Redford, Paul Newman. Can't go wrong there. Turner and Hooch. Yeah. And a film that my wife watches whenever it appears on TV. Working Girl. <laughs> the Big Short. Great film. That uh, is on uh, July 6th. If you haven't seen that, definitely check that out. My daughter, I wonder if she's still into My Little Pony because season six will begin on July 30th. Well, guys, that's my show. Thank you so much for listening to Entertainment Landfill News. I appreciate it. If you would, go to nimpodcast.blogspot.com. There you can find previous episodes of the show and other episodes of the podcast of Entertainment Landfill. Um, You can uh, click on specials and get previous E3 episodes that I've done with Bill and Emma. Doesn't my daughter do a great job on that show? I thought she was fantastic. Uh, Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm most likely, believe it or not, going to see Independence Day Resurgence. I'll try to drag Steve into that. And uh, we'll try to give you our thoughts on that film. (laughs) I don't know what to expect at all. I'm not excited about it. That's what's funny is I'm not like excited like, ooh, I got to see that. I'm just going to go see it because it's out. There's a sequel to Independence Day. And uh, the first date I ever had with my now wife was to see Independence Day at the drive-in. So forget Steven. I'm taking my wife. We're going to see Independence Day. It's been 20 years, damn it. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Please send me some feedback. Send it to nimpodcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in supporting the show and becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash landfill. As I said before, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I will remain here in the landfill, but uh, you're just a visitor. Come back soon, okay? All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Brandon, thank you for listening live in the chat room. What are you guys waiting for? Get up there. Uh, read some of these horrible news stories so I don't have to, okay? <laughs> Play some video games, watch some movies, some TV shows, do something creative, and I'll see you next time! You have been listening to the planet's number one source for entertainment news. Entertainment Landfill was created in a lab by a mad scientist hell-bent on destroying stupid websites that copy and paste the same news story from other websites. Please handle Entertainment Landfill with care. Do not taunt Entertainment Landfill. That is all. Goodbye. Sayonara, suckers. Now this is podcasting. Podcasting.